We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. I'm going to start the show today with a tweet from Gene, uh, G-E-N-E. Gene writes, quote, You're not unhappy that Taylor's gone? Ungrateful! Exclamation point. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC. Um, Gene, I guess, is referencing, I guess I described at some point, whether it was on the podcast or the radio show yesterday, that I was not unhappy that Taylor was gone. No, I, I'm not unhappy. You know, I, 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 to be honest with you, I got a little annoyed with sort of this outsized importance that some placed on Taylor's impact on the team. But look, I wish him the best, but this is not a two to three year period, you know, football wise, you know, in terms of franchise history, football wise, that I'm going to look back on and become nostalgic about. I mean, the, the notion of that is laughable. I'm happy for him. He's a good story, you know, and like we've said over and over again, there were moments here that are memorable for sure, but they didn't win anything. And the bottom line is I can't see, you know, and I know some of you have like written tributes to Taylor and Sabah sent me some link to some story. I haven't read it yet, Um, but I can't see really being super nostalgic about a player who A, really wasn't good and B, played on teams that weren't really good. I don't know. Actually, you you should know by now. You should know me by now. I'm not into elevating somebody into something he or she isn't, unless that somebody is Kirk Cousins, of course. But sorry, Gene. It's just the way I feel. I wish him the best. He's a great story. I can only imagine how great it was to coach him, to be around him, because everything about him personally is so likable. Uh, But he wasn't very good, and the teams that he played on weren't very good. So, no, um, I'm not, you know, I'm not unhappy uh, that he's gone. Uh, You know, I am interested to see what they'll do next. And by the way, the contract was a little bit different than we had thought yesterday. Uh, Maybe we updated this on the podcast, but ultimately he's getting $6.3 million in guaranteed money. 
and it's basically all in year one, and if it doesn't work out, they can basically cut him and save huge salary cap uh, numbers next year if it doesn't work out. And when I say when I say it doesn't work out, what I'm saying is if Desmond Ritter turns out to be the guy, I doubt they pay Taylor the what the, what they're projected to pay him. Um, overall to be a backup to Desmond Ritter. I think right now he's kind of insurance that if Desmond Ritter doesn't work out, they have a guy that can come in and function at quarterback in the NFL as a backup and a part-time starter. And that's really where the contract, you know, he's got a bunch of incentives in there that could get him to what was originally put out, which was two years, $20 million, which was a shocking number when I saw it early yesterday morning. That's more of, I think, an agent number that he puts out there initially. Um, But when all was said and done, really, it's a two-year deal, but only $6.3 million is guaranteed. Now, what it does bring up, which is interesting, is just – you know, and Tommy and I talked about this, and we argued about this yesterday. Um, and Tommy told me about Galdi's interview with the college coach of Taylor Heineke, uh, and that you know he had referenced or intimated that you know Taylor wasn't pleased with Rivera. I'm not going to go over all of this, but it's very possible that ultimately the team in Atlanta weren't that far apart in money. Uh, Kime suggested it was two years, ten million. Um, and I don't know if that included incentives. If if that's the case, it may have been half the overall upside that the Atlanta deal was. Um, but in guaranteed money, if it wasn't that far off, you know, it's probably one of three things. Washington really didn't want him back that much. Uh, Taylor didn't really want to be back. Or maybe it was a combination of both. My guess is it's probably, and it was a combination of both. And really, the Atlanta situation is a pretty good situation for him to go down. It's his hometown. He's backing up a guy that they believe in. I had somebody on from Atlanta this morning on the radio show that they do believe in. Um, they they said after they signed Taylor Heineke, Desmond Ritter, the reporting was, Desmond Ritter is going to be the starting quarterback, and Taylor Heineke was signed to be a backup to Desmond Ritter. But, you know, Ritter was a third-round pick. And, you know, it may not work out. And if it doesn't work out, he's in a system with Arthur Smith that may be more conducive to his talent um, and his abilities, and maybe he'll end up playing. And, of course, there's always the, you know, the possibility of injury. Anyway, uh, good day to all of you, uh, or good evening or good night, um, depending on when you're listening to this. The show today is presented by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code. Kevin DC, and you will be able to do something that most books don't allow you to do, and that is cash out uh, quickly. Uh, after you make your deposit, all you have to do is wager that, that that deposit amount one time, and you're eligible to cash out. It's perfect for March Madness. By the way, they've got a $150,000 bracket contest on my bookie. Use my promo code Kevin DC. They have fair point spreads, fair money lines, fair prop bet prices. They do it the right way, and you're guaranteed to get your money after you wager that deposit amount just one time. MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC. Maryland is a two-point underdog at MyBookie uh, against West Virginia tomorrow in what will be the first game of the first round. And by the way, um, uh, somebody sent this to me. Who sent this to me? It may have been my boys who sent this to me. Um, There is 
Uh, somebody tweeted out expert picks on the Maryland-West Virginia game. You know, guys like B- Billis and Reese Davis and all the college basketball writers. And there are um, there are roughly 25 or so selections here on that game. Only one person picked Maryland. Andy Katz from the Big Ten Network picked Maryland. Everybody else picked West Virginia. Billis, Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, Seth Davis, uh, you know Jerry Palm, um, uh, other names you might uh, know, Joe Lenardi, Seth Greenberg, Dennis Dodd, um, lots of, of college basketball writers and you know television so-called experts. <laughs> One out of it looks like maybe 25 people who selected made picks on this game. Uh, only one picked Maryland. That's crazy for an 8-9 game with a short point spread at two points. Uh, I actually had somebody on from West Virginia, uh, a guy that covers the Mountaineers on radio this morning, talking about Bob Huggins' team and the matchup. You can listen to that by downloading the Odyssey app or going to theteam980.com. Uh, three guests on the show today. Uh, Brenda Freeze will be on the show today, Maryland's women's coach. Terp, uh, the Terps get ready to open up as a two-seed on Friday at, uh, at Xfinity Center excuse me, um, against Holy Cross. They're in that bracket with South Carolina, the team that is number one in the country, number one in the tournament, finished 32-0. Uh, Maryland played them earlier in the year, but we haven't talked to Brenda in a while, so Brenda will be on the show. Brenda will follow Ross Tucker, who's coming up here in a few minutes. And then to end the show, Jeff Jones, uh, former Old Dominion coach, American coach, UVA coach, and we'll talk uh, some men's bracket talk uh, with Jeff Jones. But I wanted to start um, after you know reading Gene's tweet. Uh, with this. There is some breaking Washington news. Cole Holcomb has signed a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So Cole Holcomb uh, leaves Washington. Yesterday, by the way, J.D. McKissick was waived. Uh, John Matsko, the offensive line coach, um, was cut loose, although there was some talk that he may uh, retire anyway. Um, and then J.D. McKissick was released as well. We kind of saw that one coming with the injuries, uh, those injuries, man. He was a productive player. I really liked J.D. McKissick. He had a really good 2020 season and was in the midst of a good 2021 season before he got hurt, and they got hurt again. But I really liked J.D. McKissick, and I thought he was incredibly impactful um, as a player here. But his career may be... Uh, in jeopardy uh, at this point. But, um, you know, yesterday Jeremy Reeves was tendered as well. Uh, So we'll see what happens uh, with respect to contract talks with him, but he was tendered. And I think Jeremy Reeves ends up being back on the roster. The Matsko thing real quickly. Look, Eric Biennemi has the right to do whatever he wants to do. I said that about Ron Rivera when everybody, everybody was complaining about the Carolina um, connections and all of the Carolina people were coming in. I don't have any issue with a new head coach or, in this case, a new offensive coordinator with a ton of autonomy. Being able to pick his coaching staff and, by the way, being intimately involved in picking the players as well. So, um, and I think he's going to be involved in picking 
players. Uh, the, 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 the players that they, they selected in free agency, the offensive players, Gates and Wiley, I think Eric Bieniemy was intimately involved in that for sure. Um, and I think he should be. Uh, they gave him a ton of autonomy. Uh, you don't want him at the end of his first year, if the results are sort of halfway, to say, well, I didn't get a chance to hire my staff or I didn't get a chance to, to, to contribute to picking players. That's not the way it's going to work here. Um, so uh, Eric bieniemy has got a ton of autonomy in this season upcoming. But anyway, Cole Holcomb, the breaking news today, um, signs a deal uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Actually a really good fit for a player coming off an injury, a player that from my understanding is a player that Washington wanted to keep. Uh, he was, by the way, really a Jay Gruden find at North Carolina. Gruden was the one that really fell in love with his tape, fell in love with him, and wanted the team uh, to draft him. Uh, but Holcomb signs uh, elsewhere in Pittsburgh. So, you know, they, they added Cody Barton. They've got Jamin Davis. They've got a need for li- some linebackers too here. David Mayo was a quick one-year signee, um, but um, that's kind of where we are on that. So Cole Holcomb to Pittsburgh. Yesterday, by the way, after the podcast, Andy Dalton to Carolina, which now leaves, you know, the quarterback market thinning for backup quarterbacks or – you know, in the case of a guy like Jacoby Brissett or maybe even Baker Mayfield, you know, guys that can be uh, backups and mentors. I would put Brissett into that category, not Mayfield, uh, for Sam Howell, but can also start if it doesn't work out for Sam Howell. My preference now that Andy Dalton's gone, the top of my list, it would be uh, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, you know, that would be my number one choice. Kime reported. Um, yesterday that at the top of Washington's list was Gardner Minshew, uh, Jacoby Brissett, and Cooper Rush, the Cowboys quarterback who beat Washington this year and played pretty well um, for for Dallas when Dak Prescott was out. Um, By the way, Kime's also tweeting now that Cam Sims, Tyler Larson, and F.A. Obata he wouldn't be surprised if they end up elsewhere. They are unrestricted free agents. Darius Slay released by the Eagles. That was reported earlier in the week, uh, but it becomes official today at 4 p.m. Man, was Slay good last year, I thought. I'm, I think Slay, and by the way, the matchups between Slay and McLaurin, but I would um, imagine with Slay that he's going to get too much money. And by the way, he'll probably be interested in a team that's got a chance to win. I mean, he was with Philadelphia last year. Um, I would imagine, you know, this uh, being the beginning of the end of his career, he's going to want to go win uh, somewhere. But Washington will be in the market for a corner. I mean, most of the mocks have them taking, you know, a guy like Witherspoon from Illinois. I don't know if Witherspoon will be there. Um, Offensive line still in play. Uh, Washington at 16, if they don't move up, for, you know, a quarterback, which I would have no issue with if they really like a quarterback. Um, but they're going to have, you know, opportunities for a good corner, for a good offensive lineman, maybe a tight end um, at 16 is a possibility. Uh, anyway, all right, let's get to Ross Tucker. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, jumping on with us right now uh, is Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL. Lots of podcasts, lots of businesses. He is an entrepreneur, not just a sports content provider and former NFL player. We'll talk about some of his entrepreneurial endeavors uh, here uh, shortly. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit of Washington with you. But I, I, by the time people listen to this, maybe the Aaron Rodgers thing is over but what is Aaron Rodgers doing right now, Ross? Yeah, I mean, the more information that comes out, Kev, it really feels like it's not even about Aaron Rodgers anymore. You know, it seems like Aaron wants to go to the Jets. The Packers want to move on from him. The Jets want him. Now it feels like both the Jets and the Packers feel like they're in a situation where they have the leverage over the other one. And I'm a little surprised that they hadn't agreed to terms, if that's, in fact, what's still going on before this. You know, I mean, I, what was the delay? What was the wait? They could have agreed to terms, you know, waiting for Rodgers to uh, confirm that he was going to play football this year. But it seemed like the Packers realized the Jets have no place else to go a quarterback. And they have to get Rodgers at this point, whereas the Jets realize, well, the Packers want to move on from him. They don't want to pay him the $60 million, so they don't have anything else to do other than trade him to us. So both teams think they have the ultimate leverage over the other right now, and they're trying to use it to get the best deal they can, it feels like. Well, that's interesting because I actually had not thought of it from that perspective because I think that the narrative here over the last couple of days is we're watching narcissism in full, on full display from Rodgers, including the wish list that he put out for Cobb and Lazard, who ends up signing with the Jets, and Beckham Jr. and Mercedes Lewis, etc. But actually, that makes sense because ultimately, I mean, if the Jets are the only interested team, they have a little bit of leverage in certainly the money aspect aspect of the deal because I've, I've said all along, look, what, what the Jets have to give up is going to be a function of how much of, of Aaron Rodgers' salary they're going to have to eat. If the Packers eat a lot of it, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll, get, they'll have to give up more. If they don't, they'll have to give up less, right? That's pretty much it. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the Packers want to pay any of it because they're already going to take a $40 million cap hit when they trade him. And that's fine. I mean, the Jets can work out a new contract with him that 
you know, he still gets his $60 million guarantee, but they tack a couple of years on it for cap space, all those things all, all, that teams do all the time. What I think is more interesting is, you know, they're supposedly fighting over draft pick compensation. And I don't know, I, I saw where Schefter said recently that the Packers were looking for two ones, which is just comical to me. I mean, I, you know, I, I think it, it, from objectively, I don't care about the Packers or the Jets. I think the Packers are being unfair. I mean, first of all, the team president came out and made it very clear they want to move on. Right. They don't want to have to pay him $60 million. They don't want him to be their quarterback. They don't have any other suitors. And, you know, they said 2-1 to the Matthew Stafford. Well, part of the reason why the the Lions got 2-1 for Stafford is to take the Jerry Goff contract off the exactly. Rams at that point because that was considered a bad one. So. I don't know. If I'm the Jets, man, I, I, I'm probably thinking at some point about signing like Baker Mayfield and just kind of calling the, the Packers out. <laughs> there's nothing that prevents you. There's nothing that prevents you from trading Baker then for a conditional seventh round pick to the Bucks or some other team that actually wants him, right? But you could kind of, you could, you could scare the bejesus out of the Packers at that point. All right, let's just jump to the conclusion that this deal happens because I actually think that's a fairly safe assumption. D- don't you? Yes. Okay. It's going to happen. So how good will the Jets be? Do you, do you consider them to be a contender in the AFC with Aaron Rodgers and that roster? Yeah, I mean, I think I consider them to be a contender certainly in the AFC East. The problem is at that point, it's just incredible Loaded. the imbalance of power when it comes to quarterback position. Yep. I mean, you then look at the AFC. I mean, Mahomes isn't going anywhere. Herbert and the Chargers feel like they're coming along here. I think Russell Wilson can't be worse with Sean Payton as his head coach. Even just in the AFC East, you know, the Bills are still going to be very good. The Dolphins are loading up with Tua on his rookie contract. I mean, it's tough. I, you know, we obviously know about the Bengals. I certainly think the Jets will be in the mix. I mean, I think what is interesting to me is pretty much immediately makes New England the worst team in the AFC East. Yeah. And maybe even not by a small margin, which is just a stunning thing to say out loud. Yeah, it is. And you didn't even mention Trevor Lawrence and where Jacksonville's coming. It's really amazing the difference in quarterbacks in the two conferences. Speaking of quarterbacks in the AFC, um, what happens with Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I think he probably ends up, I mean, I think he's going to play for the Ravens. I think the only question is, does he just do the one-year franchise tag? Or does it end up being a three-year fully guaranteed deal because he sort of intimated on Tuesday that he had been offered three years, $133 million fully guaranteed. And, you know, he's turned that down. I can't say I totally understand that one, you know, especially with him, with the injury to continue to go to year to year. I mean, he's only supposed to make $32 million this year. You know, no one's going to give him the Deshaun Watson contract. They're just not. Um, you know, I, I think there's some people wondering if maybe your commanders, Kev, are waiting in the wings to <laughs> to try to give him a deal and, and give up the two first-round picks. That would really be something else. Although, I just, I mean, you know what it's like in that area. I just think the Ravens would match it at that point. I, I don't think it's what they want to do, but I think if the commanders did that, 
then Bashadi could at least say to his fellow owners, look, this isn't me. I didn't want to do this. The you know, Dan did this, and I just matched it. You know, I wasn't going to give him this deal. I'm on the same side as you guys, but that evil Dan did it again, and that's why I had to match it. Yeah, I think the – and I've, I've answered this a few times with people who have been on this show. I think the issue is right now Dan's selling the team, knock on wood. I mean, pray to God um, that it happens. And, you know, the amount that might be due upon signing on a massive contract like that, and I'm not talking about the escrow deal. We learned more about the escrow deal earlier this week. They they wouldn't even be on the hook for the escrow for the guaranteed money until actually next uh, March 31st uh, in 2024. But still, you sign him to a guaranteed deal in the, in the Deshaun Watson range, there's going to be a lot of money due at signing, and I just don't see them coming out of pocket that kind of money uh, on the way out here. Um, that that would be my feeling about Jackson. And I've talked to some people. I don't think that they're interested at all um, in Jackson. But with respect to Jackson and how this thing is evolving, Ross, are you in the camp of you know, for the lack of a better description, the owners are colluding to make sure that these guaranteed contracts aren't, you know, uh, that that they don't become a thing, that the Deshaun uh, Watson contract's a one-off? Or are you in the camp of, look, the guy hasn't finished the last two seasons due to injury, and the way he plays, he may be vulnerable to more injuries down the road, and no way in hell am I giving him a contract uh, you know, in the same range of Deshaun Watson because that was a terrible contract to begin with. Which camp are you in? Um, definitely more the latter. Now, there's no question that the owners don't want to be given out contracts like this. Yeah. However, let's go back to a year ago when Deshaun Watson told the Browns they were out. And he narrowed it down to the Falcons and the Saints. And then the Browns came back in and said, okay, we'll give you five years fully guaranteed. And that changed everything. And he said, okay, I'm in. Well, just by that, we know that the Falcons and Saints weren't willing to do that. They weren't willing to give him that contract. And so all, the only team we know that's willing to do that for anybody, One. was the Cleveland Browns, and they got their guy. And by the way, he didn't play very well last year. It didn't go very well. So uh, that you know, you combine the fact that the Browns are the only team that was willing to do it for Watson with the injury history of Lamar Jackson the last couple years, and the fact that you have to give up two first round picks for the right to give him that. I just I don't see another team doing it. For all of those reasons. So net it out on Jackson. You see him back in Baltimore, but do you see him back on the non-exclusive tag this year because nobody matches it, or do you see him on a long-term deal? Well, I would like to see him sign a three. If they really gave him a three-year fully guaranteed deal, I I would love to see him sign that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to. I think he's pretty um, set in his ways, and I think he'll play – the one year, thirty-two million, you know, franchise tag, and it's to me. I, I don't know who's advising him, but even last year, before he was going to be on the fifth-year option, they had offered him a five-year deal that had one hundred thirty-three million dollars guaranteed in the first three years. One hundred seventy-five so for injury. One hundred seventy-five for injury. It's one hundred seventy-five million for injury. It's come out in the last two days. 
Yeah, and here's the thing. Okay, what is the? Wh- why are you so concerned about the the full guarantee? Because you know, otherwise they could cut you. Okay, well, if you do it year to year like he's doing it, he got what twenty million last year, I think, on the fifth year option, something like that. Twenty three. Yeah, this year we'll get thirty two million on the the non exclusive franchise tag. Then they'll franchise tag him again, and it'll be twenty percent more than this. So whatever that is, you know, thirty eight million or whatever. I mean, he's way behind. He'll be way behind where he would have been. And by the way, if your concern is that after three years when you're when none of the money is fully guaranteed anymore that they can cut you, isn't that what you're trying to achieve right now in the first place? You're trying to be a free agent. You're you're trying to get free. Well if they cut you then you got what you wanted. You're free. I I don't understand the logic and I haven't. I don't understand it either. Uh all right. Um you're close to Philadelphia. What kind of deal is Jalen Hurts going to get in this offseason? A lot. Yeah, I, well, I'm really curious. I haven't talked to anybody there, but, you know, I'm quite sure the Eagles would rather get it done with him before the Burrow contract comes out, before the Herbert contract comes out. You know, I, but who knows? I mean, if you're Jalen Hurts, maybe you're not in a hurry. Maybe you want those guys to sign first to, to up the ante. Although I think the Daniel Jones contract is enough for him to be able to work off of and get a really, really good contract. I mean, at this point, he's the best quarterback in the NFC. It's really unbelievable. I mean, and and maybe the only quarterback in the NFC who's like a top ten quarterback. I have to go down and list it. No. But Cousins is close. Cousins is close. People are sitting there going, Sheen, are you going to butt in and say Kirk Cousins because I'm a massive Kurs, uh, Cousins fan? Cousins is close to top 10 right now. After, Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm, a, I'm a Cousins guy as well. I think he's probably, you know, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. But yeah. yes, I mean, the point is, is you know, it, it's, um, I mean, Hurts going to get a lot of money. He timed it exactly right. But. The Eagles still do have one year left on his rookie contract. I wouldn't mess around. And then they could franchise him. And then they could franchise him. (laughs) So, you know, I think they want to give him a lot of money, but, um, you know, they also have some leverage on their side. All right. I know you don't have a ton of time, so let me wrap it up with this before we uh, talk about what you're doing um, with uh, one of your several entrepreneurial endeavors. Um, so Washington, you know, is going right now with Sam Howell as the de facto QB1. And basically, you know, I think what we all understand here in D.C. is it's his job to lose, but they're looking for kind of a veteran to come in. Uh, Dalton's gone. Chad Henney said no. Um, there isn't a lot out there right now. Uh, Brissett's probably the best of what's remaining do you have any, uh, I mean, just thoughts on Brissett or Mariota or Mayfield or Bridgewater? Because there's, you know what, I actually should back up. Do you have a strong feeling one way or the other on Sam Howell? Well, let me ask you something real quick. Is Hen- Henny is the guy that the commanders tried to get? Yeah, or they, they it was... Uh, Schefter reported that Henny was reached out to, and there were a couple of people to confirm that it was Washington because Beanie, you know, wanted to get Henny. I'm sure in the building. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, the only reason why I asked that is because Chad's from my hometown, and I'm good friends with him. <laughs> yeah. So um, I had seen the report that 
that they that a team reached out to him. That makes sense with the enemy in Washington. You know, it's not far from our hometown in in, uh, in eastern Pennsylvania to Washington. So that's probably had to be tempting for him. It's probably like a two hour drive, right? <laughs> two two out two fifteen. Yeah, um, right. So that that's interesting. I don't know if we're, but, if we're really um, flying between Philly and DC, we can do it in about an hour and fifty five minutes. Hour and fifty minutes. I've done it in that before. But go ahead. <laughs> nice, nice. So, um, first of all, Sam Howe. Um, it's interesting. Good timing because on Monday's Ross Tucker Football Podcast, mm-hmm. I had uh, Sean King, you know, the former quarterback, yeah, he on my him. show, and he, he loves said, him. He thought, yeah, he loves him. He said, first of all, he thought he was the best quarterback coming out last year, yeah. and secondly, he said he talked to Bienemy about him, and Bienemy's fired up about him, and he also thought that the Commanders made a big mistake last year by not playing him after Wentz went down. You know, I mean, they kind of already knew what they had in Heineke. And I knew, look, Heineke beat the Eagles. Heineke, you know, did some really positive things. And maybe Ron Rivera felt like he needed to do that to, to win. But it kind of put him behind in terms of where Sam Howe could be at this point. So I never really understood how Sam Howe went from a first-round pick and presumptive number one overall pick going into his junior year to the fifth round because the receivers around him weren't as good and he ran the ball more. Like that, that is strange to me that people watched him sophomore year when he had those good receivers and said, he's the only guy I have a first-round grade on, and then he ends up going in the fifth. That was a little bit of a head-scratcher for me. So I'm excited to see what he can do. I hope he does get the chance to play. And in terms of those other guys, I don't know, man. That They're like all the same to me at this point. Which is to say, they're not the guy. They're not the answer. I guess, you know, I thought Brissett played well last year. I still think there might be something there with Baker Mayfield in the right situation. But it's probably unlikely that, you know, Baker Mayfield, the fourth team, is going to be the charm for him, you know? Yeah, I mean, the the thing about Hal is just, it was strange. Because when they were eliminated with Carson Wentz playing against Cleveland... Ron Rivera didn't even want to start Sam Howell in the season finale, which was a game against the Cowboys that amounted to a preseason game for Washington. Taylor Heineke had to talk him in to giving Sam Howell that start. And look, he played well. Uh, he completed 11 passes on 19 attempts, but he ran the ball well, and there's some intrigue there. But, you know, it wasn't like, you know, he he came out and looked like Mahomes did in his final game of, of that Ooh. Alex Smith season. Um, um, but um, you you prompted a thought. Oh, do you think Matt Stafford's done? Do you think this UCL, uh, UCL injury that he's done, which is why we saw some of the reports that maybe the Rams were willing to part with him? Well, it's the um, it's the it's it's he's got a uh, bruised spinal cord in his neck, and I think there's a decent chance that. He is done because that's what ended my career in Washington. You know, at least when I was there, and I forget the guy's name, but my understanding was if you have a bruised spinal cord, and mine was because of my C five, C six in my neck, mm-hmm. they don't they don't let you play unless you have surgery to fix it because they can't take the chance that that herniated disc in your neck hits your spinal cord again. So I was kind of given a basically told, you know, surgery or retire, and I chose to retire. And so 
I'm I'm very curious because supposedly Stafford's not having surgery on his neck, but I don't know that you're allowed to play with a bruised spinal cord neck injury without having surgery to fuse two of the vertebrae so it doesn't happen again. So I've been saying for a long time and I don't you know, I don't know exactly Matthew's neck issue or whatever, but he supposedly has a bruised spinal cord in his neck and I'm just going based on my experience, which is that until he has the surgery, I'm assuming he's not playing. Hmm. Uh, yeah, um, he certainly didn't look right when he was out there last year, that's for sure. All right, uh, you've got this business, which we've talked about before, uh, myfrontpagestory.com. It's a great gift idea with you know things like Mother's Day and Father's Day right around the corner. Tell everybody about uh, about it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, first of all, you can do it for any birthday or anniversary, but you're right. I mean, we're less than two months away from Mother's Day. Nobody ever knows what to get people for Mother's Day. Get them a story written all about them and just get it done now. Like, don't don't dilly-dally. Don't procrastinate. It's really nice feeling to get a story or a gift for somebody this early and know that you've got it taken care of. Your mom will absolutely love I'm just telling you right now, everybody listening, it'll be the best gift you've ever given your mom because no one has ever written a story that looks like it's on the cover of the Washington Post <laughs> all about her with a beautiful picture of her and the kids or the grandkids. I'm just telling you guys, myfrontpagestory.com, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. She'll have it hanging up in the house forever. So every time you go visit her with the kids or whatever, you'll be like, hey, look, there's what, there's what your daddy gave me. Yep, exactly. Myfrontpagestory.com. Uh, Ross Tucker is the host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. And, of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL. Uh, always enjoyed doing this. Hope you're well. Let's do it again soon. Likewise. Thanks for having me, Kev. All right, uh, up next, the head women's basketball coach at the University of Maryland, Brenda Freeze, will be our guest. We'll get to that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Joining us right now is the head basketball coach uh, for Maryland, Brenda Freeze. The Terps are the two seed in the Greenville number one region. Uh, South Carolina is the number one uh, team in that region. Terps play Holy Cross Friday 
uh, at Xfinity. Roughly 2.30 start following the Arizona-West Virginia game. Great opportunity to get out and see the Lady Terps in the first uh, two rounds, hopefully the first two rounds. Um, This is, you know, this is Brenda's 21st year at Maryland. Brenda replaced another legend, as she's become a legend uh, on her own, in Chris Weller all the way back in 2002. Three Final Fours, a national championship, you know, an annual, you know, top five, top six, seven program in the country, always a contender. When you came from Minnesota 21 years ago, did you think you'd still be here? <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I was just hoping I could get a contract extension, to be honest with you. Uh, I was uh, very, you know, unknown at that time and, you know, wanted to see if I could make that next big jump after Minnesota. And here we are 21 years later. You really were kind of unknown because it was only one year, if my memory serves me correctly, at Minnesota. And, you know, what... Uh, what made what attracted Debbie Yao to you? Brought you to Maryland, and, and this turned out to be, you know, obviously a Hall of Fame career that you're in the midst of. Well, you know, I can't say enough about Debbie Yao, and she's always had, you know, a, a love for women's basketball. I think, you know, having coached it, she really had her eye and knew what she was looking for. Wanted a young, up and coming coach. I had just been named AP Coach of the Year, and saw something in me way before (laughs) I did, to be quite honest. And um, it was a perfect time when you talk about having the ability to be mentored by an athletic director, a female athletic director in Debbie Yao, who had coached and, uh, you know, who would have ever thought four years later or hoisting that trophy to beat Duke in the national championship game. So all the things that came with it, I'm just really grateful that, I had such a a mentor and an AD that believed in me like Debbie. You know, um, you're from the Midwest. You played at Arizona. And I want we'll get to your team in the tournament here in a moment. But, you know, we don't get a, a chance to talk to Brenda that often. And I'm just curious, like, when you got here, we know what this area is in terms of men's basketball and the potential that Maryland men's basketball has had, winning a national championship in 2002 and being in one of the best fertile recruiting areas in the country, having a program with, with such tradition, which your program has as well. Is is it the same when it comes to women's basketball in terms of being a hotbed for talent? It really is, and that's what drew me was looking at the DMB, you know, seeing the tradition that Chris Weller had had uh, previously before me, the national attendance, the records that they were breaking with that. So, um, once I got here, uh, uh, absolutely, you could see just the talent base in the D- DMV, the surrounding area. We can recruit nationally, and we've got a lot of lot to be able to sell, you know, in the backyard of the nation's capital. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, and you've done an incredible job of attracting some of the best talent, local talent, to the area. And we'll ask you about your best player this year. Um, and, and and your second best player, who, by the way, went to Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda, which isn't necessarily you know the all-time powerhouse for, for sports, but I'm an alma mater. I'm an alum from there, and I saw Abby when she played Love there. But, um, but let's talk about your team. Look, you've had a lot of great teams. Um, you have more than just a hunch about your team this time of year. You know what you have. So compare this team heading into the NCAA tournament to some of your best. 
uh, I, I put them right up there. And what separates them not only is their, their talent, it's the chemistry piece. And when you have that kind of piece that they play for one another, they want to play the right way, they're unselfish, they're not worried about stats, uh, which is really hard to do nowadays. Um, this this group has it, and I think they've shown it where um, there were a lot of doubters in the offseason, so many new faces as we brought in nine new players. Um, but all this group has done is they've bought in, they've put their head down at work and been extremely um, unselfish and already has more wins than, than last year. You know, number two seed, one of the top eight teams in the country. So we're excited about what lies ahead in the tournament. Uh, the Big Ten was awesome this year. The games with Iowa in particular and Caitlin Clark, um, you know, the second game in College Park much better than the first one. And then the, you know, the ACC, uh, the ACC, the Big Ten final. How did the Big Ten um, and, the, and the league's strength, especially at the top, prepare you for what's coming up? No question. When you look at it, it's the deepest, most talented conference in the country. And those games, those battles, uh, to be able to you look at all the one and two seeds that the Big Ten has in the NCAA tournament tells you everything you need to know. So we're thrilled the fact that, you know, not only between our conference slate, our non-conference slate, we feel like all those games have really prepared us for, for March. Has the Big Ten been for you what you thought it would be? You know, obviously a lot of you know, those of us that are alums and, and major basketball fans hated it when we left the ACC. But now I've, I've actually, Brenda, become very used to it. I love, you know, the venues and, and the competition, and I've gotten used to it. But is it the same? Like, what did you think at the beginning, and what do you think now of, of Maryland's move now eight years yeah. later in the Big Ten? I think, you know, like most people, it, change is hard. I think everyone was shocked, myself included. Uh, I left the Big Ten to come play at Mar- or coach at Maryland and coach in the ACC, so I was just as surprised as everyone else. But um, honestly, uh, <laughs> as you can see when you go through change, it's, it's been a great fit, and we've been able to come in and, you know, uh, have a lot of success w- within the league. And, you know, the, the television package, in my opinion, uh, is a lot better. I could see that after the first Big Ten game we played in conference. And I liken the amount of texts I received from people watching like an NCAA tournament game. Um, the fan base, the attendance, uh, you know, sellouts uh, when, when we go on the road and, and the, the fan base is so much higher. So um, we're loving it. And, you know, I think it continues to show that, you know, change can be a positive thing. Five regular season Big Ten titles uh, and the other years finishing second uh, in the Big Ten, so it's been a good run. All right, tell me about Diamond Miller. How good is she? Well, she's, uh, you know, all indications going to go top two to three in the WNBA draft. So I think you see right there, I mean, uh, you know, the versatile, long 6'3", you know, type of player that, um, you know, has put this team on her back and has shown – everyone, you know, how to play the right way and has trusted her teammates and going to have a really, really successful pro career when she, when it's all done and finished. But we're, you know, ready to take her as far as possible in this tournament. 
Um, how about Abby Myers in the addition uh, of Abby to the team, a local, you know, out of uh, Bethesda and Walt Whitman High? Um, how important has she been to the success you've had this year? Really, really important. And, you know, we, we lost some of that leadership and that experience. And so, you know, just from day one, she's come in and, you know, brought everyone along. She's not been afraid to really lead and use her voice. And then uh, she's really, really talented. I mean, in her, you know, four years and then now her, her COVID year here at Maryland, she's been, uh, you know, exactly what we needed from, uh, you know, a scoring piece, an intangible piece, a leadership piece. She does it all. All right, I'm going to ask you about South Carolina, and I know that's down the road, hopefully, but let me first ask you about Holy Cross. Um, how do you guys match up? What are the keys to a win on Friday over Holy Cross at Xfinity? Yeah, well, I think, you know, any team that you play now in the NCAA tournament uh, is there for a reason. They've had a lot of success, and Holy Cross is no different. Um, they're a really well-coached team. Coach McGarity is uh, you know, her dad is a well-known coach and she's comes from a great pipeline and, um, Patriot League champions. And, you know, they play hard. They, they, uh, make the right plays. They, you know, have had a lot of success in their conference. But for us, it's, you know, coming out and playing the way we know how to play. I mean, we've worked hard to be able to host these two games and we want to play two games here in Xfinity. So, um, playing the way we know how to play is going to be the most important thing. Um, by the way, you know, overall, has the game just become a much deeper game? And, you know, these first-round upsets are more likely now than they were, say, 10, 15 years ago? It really has. When I watch film now compared to where it was 10, 15 years ago, you could maybe just kind of get through that first game and it was no problem. And, you know, you got to remember that our game is about 25 years behind the men. So, I think now is where you're just finally starting to see all of that parody in our game where you can't guess from night to night who's going to win and by how much. So, you know, it makes it a lot more exciting. All right. In your region, the number one seed, the number one team in America, they're 32-0. and You played them very early in the season uh, in College Park. South Carolina. Uh, they barely even had a close game this year. I think the UConn game may have been the closest game uh, they had all year. You've seen great women's basketball teams over the years, and you've been a part of some of them as well. How good is South Carolina? <laughs> very good, very good. And, uh, you know, they also have a great advantage being in their backyard in Greenville, South Carolina. So um, lucky us, you know, if uh, we're fortunate. Uh, to be able to to play them, it'll be a home game for them in Greenville. But um, you still got to play the game, and I think for us, you know, the the great thing is is we played them uh, very first game of the season at Xfinity, so our our players are um, comfortable. They they know their game, and it was without Diamond Miller, she didn't get to play in that game. So it was a four point game at halftime. Got away from us in the second half with the new roster. So. I hope we get that matchup. That means we're in the Elite Eight game going uh, either team to work to go to a Final Four. So uh, we would welcome that matchup. Yeah, and you're probably a much different team. You mentioned you know Diamond Miller not being there, but you've won 18 out of your last 21 uh, and had some big-time heavyweight matchups, especially with Iowa and Indiana. So you think you'd be, you'd be ready for that one? Yeah, we're, we're uh, absolutely excited 
we want that matchup. Uh, that would, uh, you know, again, mean that we're in the Elite Eight. And um, during March Madness, anything's possible. And everyone has to put their, you know, lace their shoes the same way and tip it off. And we would be excited for the matchup. Well, you got three uh, before that. Uh, good luck on Friday and moving forward. Thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it, Brenda. Yeah, thank you so much. Go Terps. Go Terps, indeed. Um, thank you, Brenda Freeze. That was uh, that was fun. Up next to finish up the show, Jeff Jones, head coach at Old Dominion. Of course, Jeff was the head coach at American University. Before that, at Virginia, player at Virginia. We'll talk NCAA tournament brackets. Get his thoughts on some teams, some coaches. Get some picks from Jeff right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The NCAA tournament first four games uh, are underway. Uh, we get the first round tomorrow. The first game of the first round is Maryland and West Virginia. And joining us right now is somebody we've had on basically, I think, for uh, several years running this time of year to talk tournament um, when he's not been in the tournament, although we've had you on when you've been in the tournament as well, is the head coach at Old Dominion University, Jeff Jones, of course, the longtime AU coach, and before that, the longtime Virginia coach, and before that, the longtime Virginia point guard uh, for four years in the late 70s and the early 80s. And actually, um, I haven't talked to you about your career as much because usually we're just previewing games and talking about games. But um, I did ask you this before we started recording, and you said you haven't watched it. But I've I've uh, I've pushed the ACC tournament documentary as something that is really really well done, and it runs on the ACC network. And anybody that's been an ACC basketball fan or participated like you did, I think it's like a must watch. Now you said you have not watched it, even though you were interviewed and you're a part of um, one of the episodes, if not two of the episodes. But recently, I caught up on a couple of episodes. Episodes, Jeff, that I had not watched, and it was that era of, of Virginia with Ralph Sampson. You know, you were, I think, a sophomore when he came on, right? Were you a sophomore when Ralph was a freshman? Yes, or yeah. as they would say in Charlottesville, I was second year. <laughs> <laughs> you were second year, yeah. Charlottesville has a whole different way of talking. They don't say North Carolina, they say Chapel Hill. They don't say Virginia Tech, they say VPI. That's what I've noticed about my UVA friends. But anyway, I digress. The part about Ralph's time at Virginia was so fascinating because Carolina was great, Virginia was great, you know, even though the the hype with Ralph, he didn't necessarily live up to it his freshman year. You guys went to the final four his second year, but that was the only final four he made it to and they you guys lost to um, you lost to Carolina in the semis, which by the way by the way was the year that Reagan was shot on the Monday of the championship game against Indiana. In fact, you know what? Did you guys play was that um, third place game still around then at the Final Four? Yeah, that was the that was the last one. And, did, um, and, and and we were we were perfectly okay if we didn't play that. Uh, you know that was that that was difficult getting excited about that after our hopes of uh, playing for a national championship were were dashed. What uh, it, but uh, yeah, that that was the last one uh, of the consolation game. And was it against LSU? Was that the other Final Four team? Yes, that was uh, Dale Brown, uh, Gus Rudolph, uh, uh, 
uh, Macklin. Uh, yeah, Macklin. Brian Macklin. Yeah. Rudy Mac- um, Rudy Macklin, right? John Jones, I think, who is is coaching uh, at Texas Southern, I, I think now. Johnny well, Jones was the point guard. Well, let me ask you because all day long, Reagan got shot that day in March of 1981. You know, at the Washington Hilton right there on Connecticut Avenue in Upper Northwest. And there was discussion as to whether or not the championship game between Isaiah Thomas's Indiana team and North Carolina would be played. Did they, do you remember much about that day and whether or not they just, you know, were considering not playing the third place game? Uh, they definitely considered uh, not, not playing. And, and as I said, we, I, I do remember that day because, you know, we were, uh, to start the day, you know, we, we were planning on playing, you know, our normal routine. And then when we found out that uh, President Reagan had, had been shot and that there was some debate over whether or not we should play, I, I think as, 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 as players for that consolation game, uh, you know, we, we, we would have been fine. We would have been happy if we didn't play that consolation game. Did you win the consolation game or lose it? I forget. I don't I wouldn't have remembered that we one won. anyway. You won it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what I started with before I got sidetracked on that, because I just remembered that you, you know, you guys would have perhaps played that, that consolation game is just the Ralph era. You were there for it. You were his point guard for, you know, sophomore, junior and uh, for freshman, sophomore and junior years for him. Um, I kind of feel like, and I've always said this, that Ralph is still one of the top three or four college basketball players I have ever watched. Now, I was an ACC person, you know, so I, I was watching a lot of those games and some of those massive games with Carolina, you know, some of those massive matchups between Buck Williams and Ralph Sampson. Um, he never got back to a Final Four, and I think some people, I think, short shrift his college career. It somewhat. Do you agree with me or disagree? Uh, w- w- without a doubt, um, uh, you know, uh, it, we did make it back to the Final Four um, uh, in uh, my my senior year. Uh, Othell Wilson gets hurt in the ACC tournament, and we're not full speed, and we end up losing to actually to to UAB right on their home court. Uh, and then UAB lost to Louisville to go to the Final Four. And then obviously uh, uh, NC State um, knocked us off uh, in the ACC tournament, and then I, I think it was out in Boise. I think it was in Boise to go to the Final Four, Ralph's senior year. Right. Um, so we we came up short. I, a, a couple things about that, you know, I, it wasn't just Ralph that didn't get there. You know, we we didn't get there, um, and and you know we've got we the, Ralph's teammates have to take. Uh, you know some some of the responsibility. It wasn't all on Ralph. Uh, you know he was obviously our our best player, uh, the best player in the country. But uh, you know we we needed to play better. You know whether it was myself or Lamp or uh, 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 Rick Carlisle in '83, Othell Wilson. You know we 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 all needed to play better. So it, it doesn't all fall on on Ralph. Um, but let, I'll, I'll I'll do a comparison just to give you an idea. Um, if you compare Ralph Sampson and Tim Duncan, right, and Tim Duncan is, is considered one of the, what, top ten players of all time in the NBA. Yep. And, and people obviously have, you know, very strong opinions, uh, favorable opinions of Tim, Dun- Tim Duncan. And then, you know, and then they should. Ralph Sam- Sampson was a far more dominant and better college player than Tim Duncan. It wasn't close. I agree. Uh, both in terms of what the teams did and what, 
they did individually. But I don't know that because of Ralph's pro career that, that people look back or, or, or you know, have the perception uh, of, of, of Ralph being, you know, that great a player in, in, in college, which he certainly was. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that because you, you said that you did make it back to a Final Four, but it wasn't with Ralph. It was the, the eight. You talked about the loss to UAB and then that, you know, the famous. Well, the, the the final four came in '84 um, with that team that made it yeah. surprisingly without Ralph uh, to the final four. Yeah, no, yeah. I spoke. I, I we didn't make it back to the yeah. final four after '81. Yeah, and 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 that game, um, you know, that final four was a really close game with Houston. I remember that, uh, and that was the year Georgetown won it in '84, beating Houston uh, in the final. By the way, were you on that coaching staff with Terry? I was. Um, and, and we 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 made that that game so ugly. We played a a box in one, uh, uh, and, uh, and and dared them to shoot. There wasn't a three pointer at that point, and uh, we just packed it in on Olajuwon. And uh, <laughs> it was a really ugly Final Four game for sure. But uh, that's I mean that's how we had to do it. I mean we were big 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 time underdogs. Uh, in, in that 84 Final Four. Yeah, and, and it was the year before, obviously, that NC State in Valvano pulled off the 54-52 final in an ugly game, too, um, without a shot clock um, and a three-pointer in one of the biggest upsets in college basketball history. Um, but I, I – I, uh, yeah, I – if you if you get around to it, I mean, I think you would enjoy it. But for any longtime ACC basketball fan, that ACC tournament documentary, which is like ten parts, and by the way, for Maryland fans, there are so many great episodes with Lefty and Gary, um, and and the the great Maryland teams of the seventies, and then you know eighties, nineties, you know two thousands, et cetera. It's just so well done. But the part with Ralph and those Virginia teams that you were a part of was fascinating as well. And that actually reminds me, and I'll. Just just ask you, obviously, you played for Terry Holland, you coached with Terry Holland, you replaced Terry Holland when he retired, and Terry Holland passed away um, a couple of weeks ago. What, what are your thoughts on, on Terry Holland and your, you know, the, the relationship that you had with him for so many years? Uh, you know, he, I, I wouldn't have, A, I wouldn't have uh, gotten into coaching, I, I don't think, or certainly not you know, at the, at the level that I did with, without, you know, Coach Holland, uh, uh, you know, allowing me to, to join. I was with Golden State briefly that, that, that fall when the season started, the NBA season started, and Coach Holland saved me a spot. And, uh, you know, had it not been for that, who, who knows what I, I would have been doing. Um, you know, he everybody, you know, talks about, um, uh, you know, him being such a, you know, a, a gentleman, and, and he was. Uh, but he was a fierce competitor uh, as, as, as well. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the smartest people uh, I've, I've ever been around. And he was conversational uh, on, on so many things uh, because he, 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 he read, he, you know, he had a thirst for knowledge. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was a guy that, uh, you know, just, just being around him, you know, he was so, so interesting because he was so, uh, well versed in, in, in so many things, um, you know. I, I, I think his coaching philosophy was very different than uh, maybe a lot of a lot of folks. Uh, you know, he, he had core principles, but there was never a system. Uh, he strongly believed, and, and and I do as as well, having learned from him, 
that our job as coaches is not to take players and put them into in the plot. It's, it's to put you know our players uh, in in situations where they can be successful, and that means you know evaluating your own players every single year and how they all fit together. Uh, and uh, you know I, I think that's what he did really really well. And you know we we, we had a style, I, I guess you would say, but uh, so much varied from year to year because of his ability. Uh, you know, to, to evaluate the team and figure out how we could be successful. Yeah, um, n- nicely said. All right, let's talk uh, brackets. Let's talk NCAA tournament. I'm going to start with the team from your league, which you actually beat this year. But Louisiana is a bit of a chic first-round 13-over-4 upset pick uh, against Tennessee um, tomorrow. Do you think? Uh, do you think they can do it? I'd love, uh, you know, Bob Marlin is the coach at Louisiana, and he's like me. He's been around a long time. I'd, I'd love for them to do it. I just, I just don't see it. Um, uh, Tennessee, is, you know, they've, they've got the length, uh, and, and they're really, really good defensively. I don't see Tennessee making a really deep run, uh, simply because I, I think offensively they, they struggle, and you got to be able to, to score in addition to play defense. Uh, and, and, you know, make a deep run. But I do think Tennessee's defense will, will really make it difficult for, for Louisiana. Louisiana, by the way, their, their best player, Jordan Brown, was the player of the year in our league. Um, he, uh, he, he, he's a former, you know, uh, top, top 50, top 100, whatever, big man that uh, went to Nevada, went to uh, where, Arizona, and then he, he's, he's ended up at Louisiana. He's one of these. Uh, multi-school transfers, wow. so he's he's pretty talented, but I I just think Tennessee, you know, defensively they've just got too many bodies. Um, by the way, did you coach against Rick Barnes when you were at UVA and he was at Clemson in the ACC? Uh, I know Rick well. Yeah. Don't you think? I mean, I've always said about Rick Barnes. He's played it well going to 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 all football schools, right? You know, Clemson, <laughs> uh, t- you know, uh, t- Texas and Tennessee, where the pressure's really never on him. But he's one hell of a coach. He has won everywhere he's gone, and his teams have always had that kind of hallmark of just being so tough and physical defensively. Well, you know, it, 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 it's funny because I clearly they are, but I think he really is Tennessee. Um, at, 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 at Texas, you know, he got a lot of great players. Uh, they were very talented. Um, and, and, and I, you know, I'm not saying they didn't play defense, but they didn't have that same toughness and emphasis. You know, they had guys, you know, like Durant. I mean, you know, that, right. that really True. could score and they, they, they were a high scoring group. Um, and, 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 and you know he's gone to Tennessee, and uh, man, they're just—I mean, defensively, they're—you know—they're right there with Virginia and San Diego State and some of these other—you know—really, really great defensive programs, not teams, but programs. Uh, and I, I think you know he's—he's he's shown that you know uh, maybe leopards can change their 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 spots at times. Gary Williams told me many years ago, you can win, and Virginia proved him wrong uh, a couple of years ago, but you can win three, four games being a great defensive team, but you can't win six. You've got to be able to score, and you've got to be able to score efficiently. Do you agree with that? Yes. That, 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 that's why I, I think Tennessee, Virginia, some of those teams, you know, I, I don't think they're legitimate. Uh, they're good teams. 
they're really good teams, but I don't think they're legitimate uh, candidates to win the national championship. I, I you know, you you just have to, uh, you know, you you just have to score the the, the basketball, um, you know, at, at a higher rate. All right. So, who are the teams that you really like going into this tournament? Well, you know, Al- Alabama is one. Um, you know, I, I I think that you know they've they've got the talent and. Uh, they're they're just so young, you know. That 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 would be the one thing that and maybe they're they're so young that they don't know what they're getting themselves into. Who mm-hmm. knows? Uh, but uh, you know they're going to be good. I I, I really, uh, you know, we, we we were talking about Texas with with Rick Barnes. I think Texas is is a team that uh, you know could uh, could could make their 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 way out of that. Um, Houston obviously is the number one seed. They're a really good team. Um, you know, there's the question about whether uh, is it Sasser, yeah, uh, Sasser. is, is going to be able to play, and especially on you know that 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 back to back kind of thing, the, uh, the Thursday, Saturday, or Friday, Sunday. But you know, maybe he, he he's able to play in the Thursday, but you know, can he can he rebound? You know, those the hamstring or groin, whatever he pulled, those those things are really really tricky. So I I, I kind of like Texas, uh, and, and and Rodney uh, Terry has done a. An unbelievable yep. job uh, at, at Texas this year, and uh, uh, I, you know, maybe, maybe they just don't want a distraction. But I can't, I cannot imagine that he's not going to be the, the, the coach there after this year. Couple teams I want to ask you about. What do you make of Purdue and running their team through the post and this big seven foot four guy and Zach Eady? What do you think their chances are to finally get over the hump with Matt Painter? He's had some great teams, but they've come up short. Yeah, I, again, I, I think you can you know you can win games, but um, ultimately, I, I think it's going to be the guys surrounding Edie that that'll determine uh, you know how how far they really go. I mean, Edie is a dominant player. Uh, I mean, it's crazy to see how big he is out there and the impact that he has on the game, but. You know, there there were times this year in, in Big Ten play, and they had a great year. But there were times where they lo- they looked vulnerable. So, um, I, I I they're they're not they're certainly not my pick to uh, to win the national championship. And in fact, I would probably go with you know somebody different. Maybe you know maybe maybe Duke uh, uh, to 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 win. You like uh, you like the uh, way they're playing that, and they've that, come together. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think so. I, I think the huge thing for Duke, and, and people talk about, you know, all the, the, the big names, but Roach being healthy, yep. um, you know, he he really got it going at this time last year and was, a, you know, a, a, you know one of the big reasons why they were able to get to the Final Four, and, and, and he got healthy right at the time that they started playing better. So I, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely a big uh, uh, D.C., uh, you know, tie tie there. Sure, um, and that is a potential matchup, by the way, Duke with Purdue in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, and I think a lot of people like Duke in this tournament, and a lot of people feel like Duke was underrated. Um, what are your thoughts on Shaka Smart and Marquette? But just Shaka Smart overall and the job he's done everywhere he's been. You know, I, I think I think kudos to to, to Shaka this this year. Um, another coach that has gone through some some tough times uh you know gotten you know gotten some heat and has reinvented himself uh and 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 you know he's done an amazing job uh at, at Marquette this year without 
you know, going to the, uh, uh, the, the transfer portal, you know, too, too much. I, they may have, you know, a couple, but um, they, they play uh, great basketball. I mean, they're, they're forcing the turnovers and doing all that stuff. But offensively, they just, you know, they, they, they at times, I, I think this year, you know, just ran a clinic on spacing and, 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 and playing, you know, uh, uh, offensively, you know, play, playing a uh, kind of a fast pace, but, you know, great, great spread. Uh, offense and and uh, I, I I just think it's great. You know, I I, I think you could probably uh, make a case that that maybe at one point um, after after he left, you know, VCU and went to Texas, um, you know, maybe maybe he was uh, a little overrated. You know, he, he had the big name, but they didn't they you know they didn't show at Texas. Right. Uh, you know, they they meet expectations, but man, has he kind of righted him himself and figured it out and, and just did a, a an unbelievable job this year. So I'm, 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 I'm happy to see that, you know, he was able to do that. I always like seeing coaches that, you know, if they go through a tough time figuring out a way and, and, and coming out the, the, you know, the other end, uh, you know, looking good. That team can score. Uh, and that team has a, a draw that I kind of like. You mentioned Duke, uh, you know, outside of the top 16 teams, the top four seeds in each region, um, is there another sort of, you know, Duke can be hardly be called Cinderella or a sleeper because they're Duke, but is, but is there a team outside the top four seeds in each region that you think could do some real damage? Outside the top four seeds? Yeah. No. no. There, there's, I think there's a, you know, a, a handful, not a lot of, of teams that I would pick, uh, you know, in, uh, I, I, I guess, upsets. I don't know if. Uh, but you know, Boy- Boise State, you know, over Northwestern, Northwestern, and Chris Collins have, have had a great year. Uh, but I, I don't see Boise State, you know, going too deep. Um, I, I, I would probably pick St. Mary's uh, over VCU, which I, I guess that's they're the five. So yeah. I guess that's not a that's that's not a an upset there. Um, you know, Penn State is a team that uh, you know as as a ten seed. Uh, you know, Texas A&M is playing well, but Penn State, because of the way they shoot the three, I could see them, if they get hot, you know, uh, winning a, a couple games. Uh, you know, again, I don't see them going to the Final Four, but any team that's, that's a veteran team that has a great player that really shoots the three, if they get hot at the right time, you know, they could, uh, they, they, they could definitely make some, uh, make some noise. Uh, let me get your thoughts on the team that matters to me most, and that is Maryland. What do you think of their chances against West Virginia, one? And then, two, what do you think of the job Kevin Willard's done in his first year here? Um, you know, that, that, that to me is a toss-up. Uh, you know, West Virginia was a team early in the year. It looked like you could stick a fork in them, and they were done. And somehow or another, Hugs got them together, and, you know, they, they came back and, and finished – Strong, uh, you know Maryland's had some big wins. Uh, you know, seemingly they really struggled to win on the road. Uh, so unless that game is being played, uh, I started to say Cole, but uh, uh, <laughs> Xfinity, in, in, yeah. If, 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 unless that game is being played there, you know that they're they're not going to have that home court advantage. I, I would call that a, 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 a toss up. And the job that Kevin Willard's done here in his first year, Jeff, what have you thought of his first year here in College Park? Uh, you know, I, I think he did a great job. You know, they, 
we were actually supposed to play them this year, which is a little bit of a bone of contention. But, uh, you know, they didn't think at, at, at one point before the season started that, you know, that they were going to be they, they were going to be really good. And I, I think somehow or another they, they got it together and, they, you know, they, they, they fashioned a, a, a real, um, you know, a successful uh, season this year. In, in Willard's first year, um, I would I would see them continuing to you know to, to do well. Uh, Willard's uh, you know an excellent coach. I I used to have to ma- match wits with uh, his his father Ralph Willard. Yeah. Ralph was at Holy Cross, and and I'm sure you know Kevin is has learned a lot from his dad. His dad is a great basketball guy. All right, last one. Who wins it all? Who do you have cutting down the nets in Houston? Uh, um, Haven't you filled out a bracket yet? <laughs> No, I, I I never fill out a bracket. Okay, you know back back at, at AU, my wife and I would would fill a bracket pretty much every every year. And she and beat you. She knows basketball. She would beat me consistently, <laughs> yeah, so course. I just gave. You know, I I, I I'm going to go with Kansas. Um, uh, you know, I mean, what they were able to do without self on the sideline. Uh, you know. He's been there before the program. I, I'm, I'm just going to go with them. I don't know if they're the best team, but uh, you know, I, I uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say them. Jeff Jones, of course, is still at Old Dominion. They had a good season this year. They were 19 and 12, uh, 11 and 7 in the Sun Belt. Louisiana is the team out of that league, and we talked about you know the the, the chances against Tennessee. Uh, I always enjoy catching up. I appreciate the time. Hope you're well. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Great to hear your voice. All right, that's it for the show today. Thanks to Jeff. Thanks to Brenda Fries. Thanks to Ross Tucker. Back tomorrow with Tommy. We'll try to get the show out early tomorrow before all of the basketball starts.